Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur, and we are at season eight, episode one. We've been doing this for a bunch of years now. That's what season eight represents. And I'm so grateful to you for listening in, for joining in the journey. We have a guest you're going to love today, Joey Spears. And this whole season, season eight, we're going to try and be a little more uplifting, a little brighter. I mean, the world is still as on fire as it was in season seven, it feels like, maybe in some cases even more so. But um, we want to encourage you, and that's sort of the goal of this season. We even have some fun questions we're going to ask as many guests as possible, like where should you go on vacation? That's like a place they know about that maybe nobody else knows about. We're going to ask them their favorite ice cream flavor. We're going to do a few fun, you know, fun rapid fire questions at the end. But Joey Spears is an entrepreneur and a brand builder, digital marketer, speaker, educator. He's a Canadian that moved to America. You're going to hear a little bit more of why uh, and how he did that. And, um, He leads two things, INeedBrandTherapy.com, which is probably true for most brands, and Creative Rise. This is a six-week mastermind of growth, community, and accountability. So we're going to talk to him about his business, about branding, about how he thinks about how to build around, even um, how how you build a brand around a person or a persona. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. But thank you so much to the sponsors of this season. Season eight is coming at you with, of course, our friends at Compassion Canada. Just amazing people doing such good work around the world and we can be involved in it. More on them later. And also a new sponsor for some episodes of this season is Scripture Untangled. This is a podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. So while you're listening to this podcast, why don't you go over and find Scripture Untangled? It's a new podcast, more on it later. But here now, before we jump into the conversation with Joey Spears, I just want to remind you of all the ways that we can connect. We're talking about our YouTube tutorials. We're talking about subscribing to this podcast. We're talking about Instagram. We're trying to be more active there. We'd love for you to check out in the show notes more ways to connect with Word Made Digital because we're trying to resource you with just as much free stuff, free wisdom, free encouragement that we can. So we hope we're able to do that today. Here's the conversation with Joey Spears. Welcome to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Joey Spears, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm uh, really pumped to talk to you today on the podcast because I've been uh, kind of following your work for um, the last little while on social media. Yeah, so excited to chat. Thank you for having me. And uh, you're a fellow Canadian, but you live in a warmer place. <laughs> yes, I am a, I am a, as some people call me, I am an official snowbird at the age of 23. I live in uh, California, sunny California now. Um, and it's beautiful here, but I, I do miss living in Canada. I miss the seasonal stuff in Canada, but California is pretty hard to beat. Well, I mean, I want to get into, you know, your work and everything, but, but, but before I just say you have really life hacked this thing where I tried to go from like my undergrad to retirement, but apparently you got to put like 40 years in between. So you've somehow, (laughs) you've somehow life hacked this in order to (laughs) get there quicker. So good for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it seems like it. It seems like it some days, but um, yeah. Hey, tell us. Um, you know, g- give us an introduction. Give us some context about who you are, um, why you're there, and um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned a second ago, I am a 23 year old. So I think I classify as Gen Z. Um, so I don't know what that puts in your head or the listeners heads, but hopefully it's a good thing. Um, I, yeah, I'm originally from Ontario, Canada, uh, from a smaller town, uh, about an hour and a bit North of Toronto, um, born and raised in that area. It's where my whole family's from generations are from there. So to end up in California is a little bit weird. Um, I was telling the story last night. It's a, it's a little bit of a funny story, but I got a tap on the shoulder, uh, in the Los Angeles international airport terminal once. Um, and turned around and it was a girl asking about my camera bag. And I was down in Los Angeles for some work. Uh, I was flying out of LAX back to Toronto and, uh, this random girl tapped me on the shoulder, showed her the camera bag. She was really interested in it, said she was a photographer and, uh, flash forward about a year. She's my wife and we've been (laughs) married for, uh, we've been married for seven months. Um, yeah, I think about seven months. Uh, I'd have to fact check that for sure, but I think it's around seven months. So yeah, that's what kind of landed me in California. Um, it's a crazy story. There's all these things, uh, that I could talk on forever that kind of made that what it is. But yes, I met my wife in, in TSA airport security, line, which that is a pretty, a pretty crazy. Yeah, I know. Seriously. So next time anybody who's listening is in the airport, um, either give somebody a tap on the shoulder or make yourself available to be tapped because you never know what's going to happen when somebody in the airport touches you on the shoulder. But um, yeah, so I live in Northern California. We are uh, just outside of Sacramento. If anybody knows where that is, it's a great spot. Uh, Her family's from here. And so it's a great place to put down some roots. And um, it's a great place for my family to enjoy coming to when it's minus 25 back home in Canada. So it, (laughs) it works for everybody. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, tell us about what you do, because um, at 23, you're doing, um, I think, something at a scale or a level that most people would dream to be doing, like, by their 40s. (laughs) And you at 23 um, are really leading something exciting. Like, you're not just kind of working by yourself, doing your own creative thing. You're actually leading others. So, okay, tell us about the business. Um, and, and then I'll ask more questions. I'm going to ask more questions after that, but give us kind of the big. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, I'll give you the short answer and then you can kind of go as deep as you want to go. Cause I could talk about this forever. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm normally not, not short on words, so I'll do my best to keep it short. No, but, uh, when I was, when I was in school, yeah, when I was in school growing up, I had a really hard time. Um, I've got, uh, tons of ADHD. Um, I know everyone says that these days, but I have diagnosed ADHD. Um, and I have different types of learning disabilities and processing issues. And so I, school wasn't really cut for me. Um, and I wasn't cut for school. And I, I found that out quite quickly. I excelled in, you know, sports and gym class, but, um, anything outside of that, I, I couldn't seem to keep focused. I couldn't seem to, uh, have any desire to want to learn anything. And, um, as I, as I progressed through that, that naturally led me to, uh, creating my own fun, which often ended up, you know, putting me in the principal's office or something. So I, I was quite a, a troubled kid um, growing up. And uh, so I, I knew early on that I was going to have to kind of do something. Um, if I wanted to do something somewhat successful, I was going to have to kind of carve my own path. And um, I struggled with that for a long time as the traditional route wasn't going to work with me. And then um, in the midst of my, you know, 
bad years as, as a young kid. I remember getting a grade eight uh, and we had a new teacher and it was first day of, of uh, grade eight. So you're all excited. You know, you're like, we're the king of the schools now. I'm again from a small town. So it's just like, you were waiting to be at the top the of the program, top of the yeah. grade eight class. Yeah. So we're, I'm, I'm in grade eight and I remember I sat, uh, I got into my class in the morning and it was this teacher I just hated and she hated me. Um, and, uh, we had had a bunch of altercations in different years and I'd been in different little classes and, and things of hers before, but, um, basically she stood up there first day and said, Hey, if I read your name, you need to get up, pick up your chair and you need to go to the hall. And so I was like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. So she read my name. She read a bunch of the other bad kids names and a few other kids that got thrown in with us misfits. And, um, as you can imagine, we're a little bit confused. We picked up our chairs and we went into the hall and, uh, she said, you guys are actually in a new class. So you're going to walk all the way to the end of the hall. And you're going to walk outside and you're going to go into one of the portables that just got dropped off. Um, so we got secondhand portables from another school because our little town school was growing. And so I remember going, what the heck? Like, who's the teacher? This is weird. I thought she was my teacher. I'm kind of relieved because I didn't like her. She didn't like me. Um, it was going to be a year of button heads. And I walk into this portable. It's dusty, gross, musty. Like, it just smells like wet towels and stuff. And <laughs> the lights don't work that well. They're flickering. As you can imagine this, and you're, you're kind of like, okay, I just was riding this high of first day of grade eight to now I'm kind of confused. And I see this guy sitting there. Um, and he's got his head down. He's kind of doing paperwork. And he's just like, oh, yeah, everybody sit down. Come on in. And so everybody sat down and he didn't even introduce himself. He called us one by one up to his desk to introduce himself to us rather than doing like a big class intro. And I remember walking up and he said, Hey, I'm your new teacher. And I said, cool. Like, good to meet you. And, uh, in my mind, I was thinking, well, this is, this sucks. This is just another person that I'm going to have to disappoint, you know, uh, because that was my track record and I didn't know how to get out of that. Um, those were the, the, you know, the, yeah, the, the grooves that I carved out for myself. And it's hard to get out of those grooves as we all know, whether it's a habit or whether it's a track record that we create in any type of way in life. And so I remember thinking, man, there's another guy I'm going to have to disappoint. And, um, he picked up a folder. One of the first things he did, this isn't, this isn't it. This is a uh, FedEx folder, but he picked this up. He picked something up like this up and he said, Hey, you know what this is? And I said, yeah, that's my IEP, my individual education plan. Basically, uh, pages and pages and pages of things stating what I cannot do, what I'm incapable of doing, why I need help, why my brain doesn't work properly. You know, and he, he picked it up and said, Hey, I just want to let you know everything in this, none of these are actually walls. They're just hurdles. And I've heard that no one's ever taught you how to run and jump. And I'm going to do that for you this year. And I almost cried. Um, I almost cried. I was like this tough, you know, athlete little kid. And, um, captain of all the sports teams and then I get kicked off all the sports teams, you know, cause I was such a, <laughs> such a bad kid. And I'm like this like tough little jack guy. And I almost cried in front of all of my peers and this brand new teacher, because it was the first time that I ever felt, um, other than my parents and, and family members, and maybe one or two people that I experienced in my faith walk through yeah. churches growing up, it was one of the only people in my life that ever looked at me as a, as, um, like, you know, an appointment in someone to do life with rather than a problem. And so, uh, yeah, that changed my life on the spot. And it, it kind of put this seed in me. Um, it taught me the power over the next year. He taught me the power of, of personal agency. He taught me the power of taking ownership over my actions. He taught me the power of most importantly, this gets us into, this is a little, the short story. I, I told you, I was going to tell you that's now kind of been a long story, but it, he taught me the power of rebranding. Um, and, and being able to intentionally create the future you want to create. And um, that was the first time anybody had really helped me do that outside of my immediate family. And to see somebody in, in leadership and power 
uh, in education do that. He taught me how to learn, and it was a uh, it was an incredible year. Now I didn't change like that. I had a lot of change to to make. Um, it was a slow process some days. It was a fast process some days. I broke, you know, commitments I made to him. I did other stupid stuff that year, but overall the year turned out pretty positive for me, um, and it changed my my life going into high school. And I turned into this super positive, really. Uh, big education fan, all this stuff going into high school. And um, it was just a complete shift. And so um, I remember, yeah, just just getting into high school. And I, I had, uh, like I said, I, I had known outside of school, I'd have to create some stuff for myself. So when I was uh, 11 and 12, I used to make lots of videos and just loved it. I used to do a lot of stupid stuff, extreme sports wives, jumping off bridges into water and you know, wakeboarding and skiing and snowboarding and mountain biking. And so I naturally, when you're growing up in a group of people like that, somebody has to, to film the stupid things you do, you guys do as a group of little boys. So I always figured out a way to somehow find a friend's mom's camera or my mom's camera. We used to film things. So basically that led me to starting my own, um, filmmaking business when I was, when I was 13 and 14, uh, which then turned into over the years, as I learned how to take more agency over my education and start educating myself. And because I learned how to learn, right. He taught me how to learn. Um, and so I kind of just disregarded high school. I still showed up every day and, uh, had great relationships with teachers and friends, but I, I didn't take it too seriously. Um, because I was, I was building a business. I would sit there in class and build a business. I would go home and I would build a business. And, um, yeah, fast forward a couple years, it's now 2022. Um, I think I'm in my ninth year as a, as an entrepreneur, I've never worked another job other than like a ski instructor for fun. Um, and I love it. I, yeah, it's, it's been a great gift. And, um, so yeah, now today that looks like, uh, that, that little video business that I started as a young kid turned into, um, bigger videos turned into then shooting photos for clients as well, turned into getting paid to travel all over the world, done like 20 countries before I was 20. Um, or before I was 21, uh, yeah, before I was 20, I think I did like 20 countries, um, getting to shoot lots of outdoor brands and stuff like that. And I noticed a problem. A lot of people would say, Hey, well, we love what you did for us, but it didn't get us a great ROI. So then I was like, Oh, I'm going to solve this problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I was taught when I was in grade eight, how to be a problem solver and how to create the future that I want to create for myself and for, for clients. Right. So then I learned about distribution and I said, well, I'll start handling all your content distribution. I won't just make it all distributed right, for you. So then you, it turned me into an agency. Yeah. Cause of course, if you create yeah. a great product for your client or I mean, any of us, if, if people are listening are, you know, <laughs> pastors and creative leaders in church or whether they're in the business yeah. world, like you create this great thing you're so proud of. But if you then hand it over to someone who the next stage in it is the distribution or like, you know, putting it on the platforms mm -hmm. and they just butcher it or don't understand it. Then it doesn't matter how mm -hmm. good your content was. <laughs> exactly. Go exactly. Nowhere. So that, that's been a, yeah, that's been a big lesson that I've learned over the years is it actually doesn't matter how good the content is. Like the person who masters the distribution wins the audience, wins the, wins the revenue, wins all that stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, I started helping clients with that. So it turned me from a little video business into like an agency. Then we started running, you know, Facebook ads and started hiring people to do stuff for me, building websites. And um, yeah, I, as a teenager, I remember being in high school, having like people that were, that I was responsible for like helping them pay for life, which was crazy. And I was like, I'm like helping, you know, hire a bunch of my great friends and they don't have to cut down trees all summer for a living, you know, now or plant trees or, yeah. you know, shovel driveways. I'm, 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 teaching them how to, how to create revenue for businesses by helping them, you know, be a part of creative projects and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was really fun. And, um, that led me till when I was about 19 or 20. Uh, 
And then I used to get asked as, as, uh, as a normal Gen Z would, you know, I grew up in, I like to say, I, I got lucky on socials. I don't have a big social platform or anything, but it's, it's, it's not nothing. And I like to contribute that too. I kind of was at the right place at the right time. I was young enough that I had all the time in the world to focus on social media, but I was old enough to get it. You know, I was kind of in that sweet spot when Instagram and all that stuff came out. So, um, I would have people on Instagram asking me all the time, well, you're like young, how are you doing all this stuff? And so I used to love to help them because, um, again, I had that seed sown in me from that teacher, you know, loving to see how I could help people figure out, you know, what's next for them and, and how they can do that, how they can actually take agency over their lives. And so I used to help people all the time like that. And I remember I was in LA for a business mastermind that I got into for my agency. And I remember I got a, somebody said to me, he looked at me and said, Hey man, you, you got to stop giving away all this stuff for free. It's so good. You're so good at educating people because you understand what it, what it feels like to be uneducatable by a system. So you're really good at helping people understand how they learn and then helping them, you know, implement what you have to teach them. And you should create something that, you know, you should create a container to help people with that. So instead of doing it for free over DM, I started something called Creative Rise, uh, which was a space for me to invite creatives who are super, super left-brained, really creative, learn how to be more right-brained and learn how to understand business. Because, you know, if you, until you understand business as a solopreneur, entrepreneur, creative, as you know, until you can understand even the basics of business, you'll never be able to do your creative passion full-time yeah. because you have to learn business two, to do it, right? Yeah. Those are like the two different skills. I think that a lot of people who are listening, yeah. if they're in this world, they'll quickly discover there's like the skill that you have as a creative person and then running a business, although is a it is a creative problem to solve, it is a different skill set. Like understanding totally. clients and proposals and sales mm-hmm. and uh even what to yeah, finance that and how to do taxes. Yeah. Like these are totally and like managing employees, these are like entirely different skills. So you got mm-hmm. into it because you're this very talented person on creative stuff, and then you quickly realize, oh my goodness, like I have so many hurt, as you've described, hurdles to get over on this other side of things. Yeah. If this is ever yeah. gonna, if I'm gonna survive. Hmm. Totally. So, yeah, I realized that I just have a huge passion for helping people that were like me, and I think back to my earlier years as a young creative, desperately wanting to do it for a living, as I felt like I had no other choice because I wasn't going to school, and I had to really, really pull strings and grind to figure out a lot of the stuff that I know now. And so I love being able to help shortcut creatives who are trying to learn business um, and, you know, trying to do what they love full time, or even if they are full time. And uh, there's a lot of people that go through what we've developed. So, um, and you know, they make a ton of money, but they're unhappy with what they're doing in the creative field and they want to transition a little bit. So yeah, creative rise today looks like um, we call it, it's an online education platform and community for creatives to learn business so they can, create themselves a world where they get to succeed doing what they love. Um, that's what we're super passionate about. I run that with my wife. She's amazing at it. She's way better than I am at it. She comes from the wedding uh, background. I come from the brand background. So it's a, it's probably a good combo for people. And um, there's a bunch of other people that we rope in and uh, we just try to do our best to build. Uh, we run masterminds. So environments where we're not the people that are like, Oh, come to us. We've got all the answers. I always say we've got a few answers, but you know, if we can put, 30 people in a room who are all committed to each other for six months. Like everyone knows somebody who somebody else needs to know. Everyone's been through an experience, good or bad with a client that's going to shape the rest of 
you know, the group's knowledge on that topic. And so, yeah, we just try and create these containers where people can, can be themselves, where they can be vulnerable about the actual problems in their creative businesses and, or the, the, you know, the, the shortcomings on what they understand about business. And then we try and patch those holes through community and it's awesome. So that's kind of where that ends up today. And then through the process of all that as well, my agency, going back to that first part, my agency has turned into, um, just a, a, a brand identity, uh, agency now. So all we do is we consult with churches, organizations, a lot of personal brands, um, different B2B businesses, B2C businesses on, on how they can just clarify who they are. Um, and, and the reason why that's really important is because when you can clarify who your, you know, who your organization is, um, and, and who that person's becoming, you know, if your organization was a person walking down the street and you met them, what would they be like? Who would they be becoming? Who are they inviting into that story with them? And, and how do they serve people around them? I think if you can answer some of those questions, and we developed a process to really help people understand that, um, people just learn how to lead better. They learn how to, you know, uh, grow their, their, their profit margins. They learn how to, you know, have better culture. And so that's, that's kind of where I end up today that brings us to present day. So I've got the brand identity stuff, on the on, on one side, um, which is helping people define who they are as a, as mass corporations and mass organizations, and then I've got on the on the on the other side, I've got the creative business platform, which is also kind of the same thing. It's also teaching people how to identify themselves as problem solvers and as business owners. You know, so it's funny when you look at it that way. I really do the same thing, just in two different fields, all because of the impact that that teacher had on me and that my parents have had on me, you know, and that really kind of changed the course of my younger, my younger teen years. So, um, yeah, I'm just a, I'm a product of my, I'm a product of my, um, of my childhood and, and teenage struggles, you know, and, uh, it's pretty cool to see how, how God shaped yeah. different people into my life to help walk me through those things. And now it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to, to be given ideas and, and people to support me and for people that I can support too, to also build these dreams that are going to help people, it's going to help other people, you know, kind of redefine those things for themselves. So it's really awesome. Pausing the conversation here with Joey, because as I look at 2022 and how it's shaping up in kind of some unexpected ways for all of us and all of us around the world, I'm so grateful to know that kids and communities all around the world are being lifted out of spiritual and just like you are finding ways to engage with their time and their resources and to advocate on behalf of children and families living in poverty. It's such a beautiful thing, an encouraging thing, and an uplifting and amazing story in the midst of a lot of hard news. I love seeing how you, the listener to this podcast, the listeners to this podcast are getting involved and using your resources to help other people. So if you're looking for a practical way this year to show kindness, just thinking about your own problems, but maybe consider others. I would love you to jump over to compassion.ca. Join me there and get inspired. And so when you're, you, you've, you work with all these different creative people. And so maybe, um, in like a bit of group therapy here slash make, I mean, ultimately I'm trying to say, let's make people feel less alone. What are some of those mm -hmm. common themes that you hear from creatives that you work with 
um, of like the things that are like, you know, the things that maybe people feel like I can't talk about this cause I'm embarrassed about it. Or I feel like I should know mm-hmm. how to do this, but I don't. Um, what are some of those things that you hear regularly with the kinds of people you work with? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. So I think the first one is most people in the creative space get into the creative space reactively, meaning they picked up a camera one day, shot something, and somebody from their church said, you're really great at that. Can you shoot my son's wedding? The next thing you know, fast forward five years and they're a wedding photographer. But the truth is it was a very reactive response that got them into that career, they weren't proactive about it. And and so one of the biggest lacks that I see in a lot of creative communities and in creative individuals, myself included, that I've had to really learn to develop this over the years. And I think this is something that I've, I've been able to develop well, and, and hopefully it, it helps people when I, when I get to speak this into them. And hopefully somebody listening is going to get this. But a lot of people don't understand how business works because they got into it reactively. They weren't proactive about coming up with an idea and making it happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, one of the things that I always say to people is like, you just got to understand the business circle of life. And I'm going to say this and Jonah, you, you've probably know this clear as day. Um, but a lot of people are going to hear me say this and go, well, duh, but I've never heard that. No one's ever told me that, you know? And so I think this is one of the coolest things. One of the biggest first switches that we see people have and saying, Hey, the business circle of life is simply that money has always gone and will forever go from the person with the problem to the person with a solution. When you are, you know, let's call it when you're back in the 1800s, if you needed to take your family from Canada down to America, well, you either had to figure out how to get on a train or you had to figure out how to get horses. So let's go the second route because horses are a little bit more fun than trains. You had to go to somebody with horses who has the solution and you had to offer them some kind of exchange to solve your problem, right? So whether it was some gold, whether it was labor, helping them work on something, right? And maybe they'd give you a horse and then you could build a little carriage thing and a little wagon, then you could take your family somewhere. Well, we look at today's culture, right? It's like when somebody has a problem with their business, let's say they're bottlenecked in terms of uh, just understanding how they operate from a brand perspective. They, they don't understand how to talk to their customers. So they feel like they're losing money and they're bringing on tons of new staff because their company's growing really quick. But because they don't know how to talk to their ideal customer very well, they don't know how to train all the new people. So they feel like they're super inefficient. They're not running well. Well, in modern day, that person has a problem and they'll find me who has the solution. We can run them through all the branding stuff we do, which is going to really help them. And that money is just going to transition from them to us, right? So I always say to, to entrepreneurs, people in the earlier stages, or people who feel like they've never been a proactive entrepreneur, someone who's only been reactive, you've got to learn how you fit in that business circle of life. Yeah. Because once you understand how that's just literally, that's the flow of it, it's never going to change. That's how business has always worked. That's how it's always going to work is you just have to position yourself around people that have problems and go, what problems has God given me to solve? Or what problems have I been, you know, uh, what problems, yeah, do I, have I trained myself to solve, educated myself to solve? Where are those people hanging out that have that problem? And how can I go hang out around that and, and just offer value? Because that's how the money's obviously going to flow. So that's the first one. I think that's huge. People don't understand that. Um, and once they get that, they're like, whoa, I now can understand what it looks like to be proactive and come up with a new idea and find who has the problem offer a solution, figure out how it's going to work. Um, and the second one is, is just finances. You know, that is, we live in a world, um, and I got to be careful how I get into this because I can be pretty anti-education sometimes. <laughs> when it, it, traditional education, due to my own story. Education is great. It didn't work for me. 
Um, actually it did work for me. It taught me what I didn't want to do. It mm-hmm. taught me how I didn't want to educate people, but, um, yeah, we're, we're not educated on finances. Like I was at a, I was at a big guys night thing last night through our local church and hundred dudes hanging out in the backyard, hearing people speak. And it's kind of like a big Bible study thing. And, um, I was talking to this, this young guy who just became a financial advisor. Uh, and he's a year older than me. And I was like, that's so cool. And I was asking him questions about what he was doing. And he was like, honestly, man, I don't know that much yet. Like we don't, I didn't learn anything in school. I'm like just starting to learn about finances and I'm a financial advisor. And I was just like, it's just crazy that we live in a world where even financial advisors don't know about finances, you know? And as a business owner, uh, as an entrepreneur, as someone, um, you know, who would identify as that, or even someone who just wants to be a valuable asset to any organization you're in, if you can understand finances, it's, it's such, such leverage, right? Because unfortunately, that's the currency the world has has chosen to put value on. So, you know, we're called to not be obsessed and, and love money, but I think we're called to be good stewards of it. And I think that's one thing that a lot of business owners fall short on is learning how to, how to manage your finances, learning how to um, you know, pay yourself first, what that really means okay, as a business owner, that. how to pay. Yeah. Let's, let's because there, I assume you're talking about the book <clears throat> profit first or that's an influence. Uh, I, have, I actually, I actually haven't read that, but I've heard okay. it's a great book, but I could be talking about that. I'm not sure. Let's talk thing. about this because it's, this is the classic thing where, and I know this, so I, my story, you know, as we're getting to know each other, part of my story is I yeah. was leading creative and communications in a, you know, a mega church here in Canada. And, Mm -hmm. and then I was hiring all these creatives who were working, you know, on projects with me. Um, and some of them were, you know, staff, but some of them were just contracted creatives for these projects or experts in something we needed. And I was seeing how they were, you know, invoicing, um, the church, but, that was like my introduction to this. And then I went out and started doing this thing on my own, left the church work to do, to help instead of just one church, help lots of churches do this creative and communication yeah, thing. Awesome. And then realizing like, I have no idea how to price this. I have no idea what uh, the customer can tolerate. I don't mean to gouge them, yeah. but I mean like, what is a fair price? Or like you estimate something thinking it's going to be two days of work, but then you forgot all the administrative side and now it's actually mm-hmm. five days of work. So now you're not making any money mm-hmm. like these are like those classic things that I did early on but mm-hmm. you have this whole thing about pay yourself first um let's talk about that philosophy for creatives yeah. I think we don't do that very well <laughs> yeah no uh, most people definitely don't do it very well I'm guilty of that too um I'm always trying to change that but uh one of the first thing to set up the pay yourself first thing is I think that um, I believe humans are pretty incapable of not spending money. Um, I think that money is not in a weird woo-woo way, but I think money is like an energy. Like I think it just kind of flows through things, right? Like a dollar you touch physically has probably been in thousands of other hands, right? It's because money just transitions from one person to another. We spend it on things and you know, we, we live lives. And so um, instead of being like, oh, you need to learn how to save money, like save, save money. I come from the other approach going, no, I think we're built to spend money. Mm-hmm. So why don't we spend it? But let's spend it in a good way. Right. So instead of going, hey, I'm getting my paycheck and I'm going to spend, 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 and then I'm going to get to the end of the month and might even be running a negative, or I might have a little bit left over that I'm going to pay myself. You know, um, I say, first of all, paying yourself out of a company, you're paying yourself out of your little, your creative business you're running is not going, I'm going to take, you know, I get, I get a, I got a $2,000 paycheck this month and I'm going to take, 
I don't know, let's say 50% of it, and I'm going to put it into my personal account for spending. That's not paying yourself first. That's that's called paying yourself a living, like to live or something. That's your Paying yourself first is, that's is your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but paying yourself first in my eyes is actually going, I need to take a chunk of what I make and I need to pay myself first for my financial future. Because as entrepreneurs, we're the only people that are that are, you know, responsible for that. Like there's nobody, there's nobody paying for my financial future. There's no one paying for my wife's retirement. And so paying yourself first is going, okay, when I get paid, uh, I'm going to do two things first. And it's technically kind of paying yourself second in the way I teach how to break down finances. I always say first take off everything that you know you're gonna you're gonna owe to tax because it's not your money. It's the it's the tax man's yeah. money. You're just holding on to it. And you do not want to get behind on that. I think we're called to steward our money well and, and, and pay what, really what is not ours. When you say take it off, what do you mean? Are you like you're not like taking the cash out of the bank and putting it in an envelope? So like where like as practical as yeah. be, where does that money go for you? Yeah, because so I'll like, make it this looks really like practical. the bank account's so huge, and then you realize all that money's owed to the government. It's not your money. Yeah, you totally. Can put that in a separate. So bank I'll make it account. really practical. Yeah. So I go to the bank and I say, "Hey, I need I need five accounts. I need my main checking account. Then I need four free savings account. The first free savings account. Um, again, you can get them for free at banks, so it's not something you should be paying for. It's really easy. So your main checking account, you pay sixteen bucks a month for whatever, and then under that, get four free savings accounts. The first one is the tax account. So the second I get paid, I because of where I'm based. I'm, my company's still based in Canada, yet I live in California. I take 30% off and I take 30% off of the every single dollar I get and I put it straight into a tax account. And I don't touch it because it's not my money. I, I can't touch it. And that's it's not your my estimate money. I'm holding on, on to like it for the government. Owe, basically. That's an estimate. And I, I estimated that based on everyone can do this. Just go Google your your federal taxes and your provincial taxes. Or if you're an American, Google federal and your state taxes. Yeah. It's really easy to find. And and be conservative. You can overestimate because it's always great to have overestimated what you think you're going to pay in tax. It's not great to underestimate it, right? So I overestimated. I take 30%. I put it straight into my tax account. My second account is called future investments. This is paying myself first. If I'm going to pay the tax man 30%, it's only fair I pay myself in my future, my financial future, my financial security 30%. So I take the next 30% of the money and I put it directly into that future investments account. Now, um, for some people, that's a lot. That's a huge percentage. They wouldn't be able to live on what's rest and operate their business. So these are all aspirational. You want to be making you know, a certain amount of money where eventually where you can do this, right? So, or cutting your, your, your living expenses down, you can do this. So 30% to the tax man, 30% into a future investments account. Now future investments, it's important that your money's not just sitting there. You got to make your money work for you, right? We live in a world today, inflation's at massive highs. It's not looking good. The price of gas at highs. in Canada. Yeah, everything. And I think so it's like a dollar seventy today. For a liter of yeah, gas, crazy. if that That's makes insane. sense So we, we live in an expensive <laughs> world. You might as well look at every dollar you make as an employee and go, yeah. how do I make every employee make me money, right? Of an employee can either make you money or an employee could cost you money. And uh, if you think about every dollar as an employee, if you put that employee in a savings account and it doesn't do anything, you're not investing it, it's costing you money. It actually is. Statistically and mathematically, it costs you money every year because of inflation. So I put that money to work. I, I invest in, in in stocks, different different funds, um, crypto. We got a couple of real estate moves coming up. You know, hopefully recently, that, hopefully soon, that's going to be great for our financial future. So, thirty percent of the tax man, thirty percent to our future, our financial future, and then out of that, I take um, I take about five percent of every paycheck as well, and I put it into a rainy day account that just stores up some money that 
while my mass amount of savings, my future investments is invested, I want to make sure if anything ever happens, I've got a little bit of liquidity, some cash, if I needed to pay for a couple months of living or a year of living expenses, right? Um, or any type of emergency that ever happens. So that's my rainy day account. That's my fourth account. So we have our main checking account, tax account, um, future investments account, a rainy day account. And then the last one um, is just a, a very, very simple, like a giving account. We funnel off money that we want to give so that we're intentional about, about not spending it. Because like I said, humans spend money. So if we spend it to our giving account, it's really easy to then spend it on giving to something that we feel really aligned with and something that our hearts feel like we want to give to. So those are the different accounts I operate out of. And those are now I'll put this, I'll say this. Those are, um, that's how I run my corporation accounts. I have personal accounts that kind of match that. So every time I take a pay, you know, a, a paycheck from the company, um, personally, I would kind of do the same thing, you know, mm. the little giving side, I would do like a little rainy day side personally. Um, I would do a tax side personally, because we have to pay personal tax, obviously, and corporation tax, but I chunk it out like that. It's really easy. It's amazing because it's not, you don't have to be financially savvy to do that. It's really simple. Get out your phone, do a little bit of a calculation, you know, as soon as you get paid and you watch month over month as, as your money grows. Um, and as you have, you have different areas that you've spent your money, it feels really good to spend your money towards something that's good, right? And then obviously that main checking account, all the money, the percentage that's left in that main checking account, that's what you operate your business out of. That's what you pay for people on, you know, yeah. and you do all, all that other stuff. So yeah. um, that's how I do it. That, that's, what, that's what we teach at Creative Rise. It helps a lot of people. Um, is it the best system in the world? Maybe not. If there's a one that works better for you, awesome. But uh, is it a system a that system. works for a lot of people? <laughs> yeah. The point is to have a system. And so if you can have a system, um, you'll be in great shape. And it's it's a great step towards creating a financial future that's more secure. And I think that's stewarded well. Like I said, I really want to keep harping on that. Like I think as Christians and as as leaders, like we're just so called to steward our money well. Like it's so biblical. Like we can't, we can't give of everything we have if we have nothing because we haven't stewarded our money well. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's so great to, to be able to teach yourself how to steward your money well. And I think the percentage breakdown is a great way to, to start that. So you can end up in a position, you know, where you can, you can give to things you want to give to, and you can, you're not feeling guilty about it, or you don't get behind on your taxes, you know, just, it's, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. So I hope that helps. Today's podcast is brought to you by another podcast. Scripture Untangled is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. And actually, the first number of episodes, if you go and start checking it out, you might hear a familiar voice. That is uh, my voice. I'm um, involved in Scripture Untangled, this podcast with the Canadian Bible Society and my friends over there. This is all about the Bible. The Bible can feel overwhelming. It can be confusing, even hard to believe. But Scripture Untangled is trying to untangle this, bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, Bible thinkers, and they're trying to inspire you to dive into the Bible and understand it. So there's voices from all across Canada and beyond in season one, these first episodes. And I would love for you to go today, subscribe, share, go check it out. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will be able to find Scripture Untangled. I encourage you to go check it out today. Um, changing gears 
because you've mentioned it, but we haven't gone too deep. You talk about this branding thing. Let's talk about um, yeah. personal brand because I think everybody is like, it's it's kind of this thing that you know you need, but also are a bit uncomfortable with. Like it feels easier mm-hmm. to brand or feels less uh, uncomfortable to brand a company or a business yep. or even a church. Uh, but when we're talking mm-hmm. about like ourselves or a person, it can feel a bit icky. So give us some thinking on personal brand, how to not do that in a slimy way. <laughs> and by slimy, I mm-hmm. mean like there's people who the reason we don't like it is because we see people who are just selling all the time and it feels mm-hmm. like their, their brand well, they are a brand. They're not like being like a real human being. Um, so yeah. talk, talk to me about, or, and if you have examples of some brand of personal brands that we may know that you think have done it well, whether that's like, yeah. you know, Kanye or whoever it is, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, t- totally. talk to us a bit about branding. Yeah, totally. So this is a great question. And this is a question that we could talk about, I'm sure for days, but, um, yeah, branding in general is, is sticky. It's, it's a, it's a difficult conversation, but it's it's one of the most important conversations. Um, and the reason why I say that is because just to define brand, uh, brand is not just your logo. It's not just that, all that stuff, your colors, your fonts. Brand is very simply your reputation, right? So when we think about Apple, we think about the reputation, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, if you can change your perspective on brand to go, my brand is nothing but my reputation, my, you know, a logo, sure, that's a part of your reputation, but it's how do I make people feel? How, how do they feel when they interact with what I'm doing? How do they feel when they're impacted by what I'm doing? And then the second part of brand, which is really important is brand identity. And so brand is external. It's what people feel. It's, it's the reputation, right? Brand identity starts within us. Brand identity is the character of, of who we are as a company or who we are as a personal brand and how well we act on that character, those characteristics that we identify we want to be, who we want to become, that dictates our external brand, right? And so when you understand the differences between those two things, it's really important to utilize both those tools, right? Brand is, is kind of a result of how well you execute your brand identity, which again is the, is the core characteristics of who you want your company to become in the world who you serve, how you serve them, how, pe- how you treat people when conflict arises, right? Like all of those things. How do you give value? So um, some of the ways that I think people mess this up is in some of the some of the ways that it gets icky is people actually, and this might be an argument that you are familiar with or you've never heard, but I actually think that we need to separate us from our personal brands. Mm. And so a lot of people go, well, you just got to be more authentic in your personal brand and all this stuff. And while that's great, and while that's great for a season, that's often how it starts. What happens is when you're building a personal brand, you get to a point where you're like, I feel like I'm kind of trapped in this because it's so me. I feel like outside of business or outside of my personal brand, I feel like I can't grow as a human because my brand would then need to grow because we're like the same thing. So a great example of that would be like, if I started a brand, and I just loved cooking. And I was I was cooking every day. And I started Joey Spears became a cooking blog. And yeah. it blew There's up. There's more to you if than I cooking. If I one day woke up. Yeah. Yeah. If I one day woke up and went, you know what? I I don't love spending every single day doing this and feeling like that's all anybody knows me for. Or that's all I've even attached my identity and my worth to. That's a hard place to be in it. So I think that's why building a personal brand is so difficult. And that's why it's much easier to build a church with a name on top of it or a company with a name on top of it. So the quick solution to that, and, and I'll give you an example of somebody who's done this really well. 
Um, a quick solution to that is you've got to separate your personal self from your personal brand. And the best way to do that is by actually creating a character for your personal brand. And we do this in, in the branding stuff that we do. We literally develop a person that you can be while you're at work. And so when I walk downstairs, I work from home. So when I walk downstairs this morning and I'm sitting here uh, doing this podcast, I am Joey, I'm being myself, but I'm also tapping into like this guy that we call Tim yeah. at our company. And we yeah. act as Tim because Tim shows up with a smile. Doesn't matter if, if my coffee machine was broken this morning or not, I'm going to hop on this podcast and have a smile because that's how Tim has agreed. And that's what we've all agreed Tim will show up, you know? So I can walk in, I can kind of tap in as Tim. I can act as Tim. I can give value as Tim. I can um, see people the way Tim would see people despite how I'm seeing people personally that day. And at the end of the day, I tap out and I go back to being Joey. And so it, it gives you the separation where you are, you're allowed to grow the brand and you're also allowed to grow yourself personally in separate directions. And that's one of the best feelings ever. And I think that's, a, that's something that really helps people grow a personal brand is when they get that. And a great example, I think you, I think you know him, um, Kerry Newhoff, you know, local Ontario pastor, leader, um, and he's just a great guy. He's a great friend of mine. He's been an awesome mentor to me. Um, we did brand therapy with Carrie. And the reason why he wanted to do it was he said, you know, I'm a personal brand, but I have a company. I have people that work for me. And Carrie's like, in order to continue to create the impact that we want to create as a team mm. in this world, we need to get more clear as a team how we can grow as a team. Because if, I, if, if I'm talking as Carrie, if I walk in as Carrie every day and just say, hey, be more like Carrie, sales guy, be more like Carrie, marketing guy, be more like Carrie, administrative guy, People can try their best, but they're not Carrie. Yeah. Right? No one's Joanna. No one's Joey. We're all so individual. But if Carrie can step aside and gather his whole team and say, okay, what does it look like for us to create a new identity that we can all show up as? I, Carrie, can show up as this person. You, this person can show up as this person. Marketing person, salesperson, we can all agree to be this person. Because if we all be this person, the company is, is a really healthy version of ourselves. And so we did that. And... Um, separate now every day when they all the get person, the work, even Carrie, from Carrie, can, the person. Carrie Newoff can show up to the Carrie brand as this version yep. that we've all agreed to. Yep. Even if yep. so Carrie shows up. Yeah. He right. checks in as he doesn't check in as Carrie. He checks in as somebody else that the whole team is agreeing to check in as. And because of that, they can all, they all have extreme clarity on, on who the brand is, who they're helping Mm -hmm. And then how those two things connect. Those are the three big points of, of brand identity and branding that I think really matter. It's who are you? What makes you guys you? Who are they? Who are you guys trying to serve? And then this is the third piece that a lot of people miss. How do those two connect? What are the things about you and what are the things about them that really work? And then what are the things about you and things about them that actually don't align that well that we need to stay away from, right? What are the do's and don'ts? So yeah, it's, it's, a, beautiful, it's a beautiful dance when an entrepreneur uh, or, or even a church you know, a senior pastor can stop trying to force all his staff to be him, run programs the way he would run them and go, okay, we're actually going to develop a new identity for who we want to show up as. And it's going to be clear. Everyone can understand it, whether you're in children's ministry or whether you're like running a conference, the biggest conference this church has ever put on, or you're the senior pastor. Everybody can understand what identity we need to be showing up as, how we give value to people. And so we can all, we can all leave our personal stuff aside. Now, it doesn't mean that you still don't you know, uh, represent some of the personal things that we all carry. Because I'm not saying don't be unique in, in the ways we all are. But it's going, it actually, 
brands are actually way healthier when it's a lot of unique people coming together and taking all the things that make them unique and building it into one person mm. and then moving forward as a company or an organization or a church rather than going, we're just going to mimic the senior pastor or the entrepreneur and everyone has to be like the founder. Well, then in you know, theory, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. And then in theory, it, maybe not if your brand is called Carrie Newhoff, <laughs> but in, in a church, uh, in theory, then the, the senior leader, the founder can, the founder syndrome thing where they can't leave, everything's based around them. Mm-hmm. They could leave and the entity of the brand remains because it was never yeah. them. It was, uh, some separate thing to them. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's a, that's a great example. That's, um, I would say that my local church here does a great job of that. I was telling you offline, Joanna, before we jumped into this conversation, like the, our local church has multiple senior pastors per campus because they designed the church to never be an upside down pyramid falling on one single person, one single woman or, or man, you know? And so it's, they've designed this system where it's shared leadership and that leadership is shared through the whole top to bottom system of all their programs, all their conferences, all the Sunday morning stuff. And they've only been able to do that by going, okay. If a new senior pastor is coming in, he has to agree that he is going to be himself. Yes, but he also has to be this person that we are as a church. Because if he decides to leave one day, he can't take the church with him. You know, this church stays here. This is where the community is. And so we've, we've decided that this identity is what's best for the community. And because of that, we'll all be able to serve this community best, no matter who joins and who leaves. Right. And that's where, that's where your organization gets really powerful. That's where your impact gets, you know, exponentially more valuable. And that's where it also creates more longevity, right? So I love this conversation. It's super fun. Yeah. Okay, Joey, I've got, um, just as we end, I've got a few questions I'm asking everybody on this season of the podcast. So let's, we'll try and do them as quick as we can. Um, for other, other people, what is the best spot you've been to that they should travel to? Oh, that's a great question. Um, if you have not been to, if you've not been to, oh, Oh man. If you've not been to New Zealand, I'm really biased about New Zealand because a lot of my best friends are from there, but (laughs) New Zealand is a gorgeous country. It feels like what North America potentially felt like culture wise, maybe 20, 30 years ago. Now I wasn't alive when that that was going on, but it just feels like it's a people. It's just cool. The government doesn't feel like they, they own you. And I'm not saying that in a political way. I just mean like everyone kind of like helps each other out and it's a more like it's not as individualistic as Western culture. Now they're obviously Western culture too, but North American culture. I love it. If you haven't been, it's a great place to go and spend some time. And if you're into surfing, like I am great waves, beautiful beaches, um, mountains to ski and snowboard too. It's Amazing. beautiful. Uh, food is awesome. Coffee, some of the best coffee in the world if you're a coffee person. So New Zealand's great. Uh, what is a book that has changed how you think about something? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. I would say, Anything by Donald Miller or Simon Sinek. I mm-hmm. love that. Or Bob, Bob Goff. Oh my gosh, so many good ones. But um, I'll go with the, the most recent one that I that I read that like was the most impactful for me, um, Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, helping us transition our minds from thinking super finite and start thinking about an infinite game where it outlasts us, you know, our impact outlasts us. And it's not a competitive, you know, we're fighting against this person. It's like, hey, if they're also fighting for the same cause to in my world, help educate creatives so they can run their own businesses. If somebody else is fighting for that too, they're not my competition. They're, they're on my team, you know, as we, as we push this cause into the world. And that it's just a really cool perspective shift for me. I don't know if you've read it, Joanna, um, but it, it's a great book. Yeah. Great book. I, I love Simon Sinek. He's awesome. I've not read that book though. 
Um, yeah. Two more questions. What's a movie that's made you cry? Oh my gosh. You know what? Um, I don't think I've ever cried in a movie. And the reason <laughs> for that is I don't watch a lot of movies. Uh, I didn't grow up watching movies at all. Uh, I was that, like I told you earlier, that weird kid who kind of sat in the basement on his laptop that school gave him because he had an IEP building a business. So I didn't really watch movies. Um, uh, there's okay, some movies I fine. love, but I, I, I don't think I've ever cried in one because I, I yeah, I, I don't know if that met meshes with my personality type and the amount of movies I've watched. I mean, but, not even the yeah. Lion King, Joey, when the, no, when I, the, see, guy, I when couldn't the even tell dies. you what happened in Lion King. <laughs> I don't think I could tell you what happens in Lion King. I don't remember. I know I've watched it, but it would All have right. been years ago. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. So. Okay. Well, the, the last question is you're at an ice cream shop, you know, there's 50 flavors. What's your go-to? Your- yeah. That's such a great question. Um, my wife would love you for asking that question. She's a huge ice cream fan. Um, <laughs> and she would take a while to answer that. Uh, mine would be simple. I love, I love a good cookies and cream. Love good cookies and cream. Um, my favorite place in the world, if anybody's listening to this and ever makes their way there, if you ever go to Newport Beach, Joanna, if you're ever in Newport yeah. Beach, go to the peninsula at Newport Beach and there's a place called Milk and Cookies. And it's homemade ice cream and they they bake these homemade cookies and they put the cookie like in the bottom of the cup. It's a hot cookie and they put the like fresh ice cream on top of it and the cookie just melts in your mouth. So I get like a chocolate chip cookie with cookies and cream ice cream and it is potentially the greatest thing I've ever tasted in my life. So <laughs> that's, that's probably awesome. the Hey Joey, yeah, thanks so really much good. for your time. If people want to find you, yeah. find your work, reach out to you uh, to work with you, where, where do you want to send people on the internet? Yeah. Uh, really simple. I think if you just hit me up on Instagram, uh, at Joey Spears, J O E Y S P E E R S. I'm not related to Britney Spears. We spell our last names differently. Um, if you find me on there, you'll also find a link to everything else, or you can just click even better the message button, shoot me a message. And, um, I would love to connect with people. So this is awesome. Thanks so much for having me on Joanna. Hey, thanks Joey. Uh, lots of energy, lots to learn from you. Had a lot of fun. Thanks. Joey, thank you so much. That was a really fun conversation. Next week on the podcast, we continue the high energy with Pastor Tom Kang. He's from New Story Church in LA. So thank you so much to our sponsors, Compassion Canada and Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. So grateful for these partners who are making this possible to get these ideas, this thinking, this conversation about branding today into your ears. So if you want more from us, you want more free resources, would you check out the YouTube channel we have? Go on the YouTube channel for free tutorials. There's a whole back catalog of now seven seasons of the podcast. And always you can find us active in the Digital Church Facebook group. You can go on Facebook and type in Digital Church and the group will pop up or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We would love for you to engage with us there. We're having conversations around what is it mean to do evangelism and discipleship creatively in this digital age. All right, my friends, see you next week. Episode two with Pastor Tom Kang. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.